And I welcome you on behalf of Pastor Henry Harder and the Renewal Singers to another broadcast of What's New. Now today, we will move on to verse 36 of Acts chapter 2. This is the final verse in the second part of Peter's sermon where he deals with the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, resurrection, and exaltation. In this verse, we are given God's point of view concerning Jesus Christ, and we are also given the people's point of view concerning Jesus Christ. Here are Peter's words as recorded by Dr. Luke, and he writes as follows. Without a shadow of doubt, then, let the whole house of Israel acknowledge that God made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. And what 
joy fills my soul just to know, just to know that His grace is sufficient for me. Oh, His grace is sufficient for Peter's intent was to show these people that instead of interfering with the arrangements of the God of Israel, these events were his own high movements. Now he closes the verse with a sting. To prove to them that Jesus was the Messiah might have left them all unchanged in heart, but to convince them that he whom they had crucified had been by the right hand of God exalted and constituted the Lord, whom David in spirit adored, to whom every knee shall bow, and the Christ of God was to bring them to look on him whom that they had pierced and mourn for him. Now here to bring us today's study is Pastor Henry Harder. I have spoken on the past several programs of the first Christian sermon ever given. The very fact that it is the first makes it of exceptional interest and value. What that first message contains ought to be important to the Christian faith. That's why I've spent a good deal of time on it. It's recorded in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. Peter, Christ's apostle, spoke it. The occasion was the commotion which the coming of the Holy Spirit had caused. A group had gathered, perhaps in the temple courtyard. The people were either residents of Jerusalem or visitors who had come for the Passover to that city. They came from many parts of the Mediterranean world. They heard the Christians witness in languages unknown to the speakers. The Jews asked, what does all this mean? It is at that point that Peter addresses the crowd and explains what it all means. Peter begins by informing his audience that what they were seeing was the result of the Holy Spirit's coming as Jesus had promised. Today I want to focus on this Great sermon, how it ended. It was short. I just read it aloud to myself, and it took less than three minutes. That's a short sermon, so far as it's recorded. In the last line of his message, before he was interrupted by the crowd, Peter said these words, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter focuses on two points. Number one, the reaction of man to Jesus. And number two, the reaction of God to Jesus. Man crucified him. Peter's audience were Jews. Representatives of that nation had insisted that Jesus die. That's man's reaction to God. Kill him. We can't place blame on the Jewish nation because that is the reaction of man in general, all of us. That's the way we are. That's what sin has done to all of us. It has given us a nature that wants God dead. In fact, it wants God to suffer. Crucifixion was a horrible, agonizing way to die. That's what man chose for God. Man by nature does not want God around, not even on this planet. 
He wants to be without God. Finally, man will have his way in hell. God won't be there. When a godly mother asked her ungodly son if he would receive the Savior, the son replied in anger, Where can I go where I won't be bothered with God? His mother simply replied, No one will bother you with God in hell. Finally, man who refuses the Lord will have his wish. He'll be without God. Although God is not spatial, he has the ability to absent himself from hell. So Peter bears down on his hearers and lays bare man's nature when he said, You crucified him. That same nature is within all of us humans. We were born with it. It doesn't have to control us, but it's there. There was a group of men, Jews and Romans, who actually crucified the Lord. When you think about it, it doesn't make sense at all. Did Jesus do anything worthy of the death sentence? Of course not. Then why should man want God dead? God is always to man's advantage. It's irrational not to want him. But sin has made man irrational. Peter must have gotten through to his audience because they interrupted him and cried, What shall we do? I'll come back to that and to Peter's answer tomorrow. The evidence demanded a verdict and Peter got it. But now to Peter's second point. What was God's reaction to Jesus? The representatives of the nation had insisted that Jesus be crucified. What did God do? Peter leaves no doubt that God himself was in this whole thing. He said, God has made this same Jesus both Lord and Christ. Man killed him. God raised him and exalted him. God made the same Jesus whom man crucified, both Lord and Christ. Not that he wasn't Lord and Christ before. He was that all the time. But now that God had raised and exalted Jesus to share his glory, the fact that he was Lord and Christ, which had been dimly perceived before, was now surely demonstrated beyond any doubt. Jesus was both Lord and Christ before his crucifixion, but God now confirmed that. Let's look at those two words which Peter chose, Lord and Christ. Lord is the Greek word kurios. This first Christian sermon contains the first Christian creed, Jesus is Lord. Why did Peter choose this word for Jesus? What would that mean to his audience of Jews? Listen to what Paul wrote to the Philippian Christians. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the Jew, the name that is above every name was the name Jehovah. We sometimes pronounce it Yahweh. We really don't know how to pronounce it. Since the Jews didn't pronounce this name for God, they would substitute the name Lord when reading in the synagogue. Peter is telling his audience of, of Jews that Jesus is the Lord. He is Jehovah. He is Yahweh. 
This is a strong affirmation on the part of Peter of Jesus' deity. The second name for Jesus that Peter uses is the name Christ. God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. This is the Hebrew word Messiah. This name for Jesus was often used especially with Jewish audiences. It signifies the Messiahship of Jesus. All the predictions of the Old Testament relating to the Messiah find their fulfillment in him. It is in him and no other that all the Jewish hopes will be fulfilled. He was and is Christ. is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.